I'll begin my homily this morning with a question. If you were Satan, what would you do? Hope no one is offended by that question. But if you were Satan, imagine that. What would you do? Keep in mind what Satan's goal is. The goal of Satan is to take souls to hell, as many souls as he possibly can. If that were your particular personal goal, that's what you were ultimately trying to achieve in your life, what would be the steps you would take to try to get there? Personally, if I was Satan, I would attack humanity like I would attack a house if I wanted to get it to fall. I would go after the foundation. Destroy the foundation, the rest of the house tumbles. That means that I would go after the family, because the family is the foundation of our society, it's the foundation of every society. And I submit to you that's precisely what Satan has done, especially in the last half century. We have to be honest about it, my brothers and sisters, he's done a pretty good job. In fact, he's corrupted the minds of so many people at this point that many men and women don't even know what the normal standard for family life is anymore. Those who might be confused on the matter, the norm is one man and one woman bound together in a lifelong marital commitment along with their children, natural or adopted, or both. Every study that I've ever read has made clear that this is the best and healthiest environment in which to raise children, the traditional nuclear family, which is precisely why Satan is trying to destroy it. Through things like infidelity, and contraception, which makes infidelity a lot easier and more common, and divorce, and the promotion of alternative living arrangements like the living together phenomenon. How many couples live together before marriage now? Probably most. And also so-called gay marriage. This is Satan's anti-family strategy, which as I said earlier is working. But the good news is, my brothers and sisters, it's only working because we are allowing it to work. Remember, Satan has no power over us save the power that we give to him. Which leads us to the question, how can we reverse the trend? How can we undermine Satan's strategy to take people to hell through the destruction of family life? Or to put it in a more positive way, what can we do to strengthen family life? which is, as I said, and always will be, the foundation of society. As I reflected on that issue in preparation for this homily, three words came to my mind. Faith, fidelity, and forgiveness. Faith, fidelity, and forgiveness. All those words begin with F, like family, so hopefully they'll be easy to remember to strengthen family life in general, to strengthen our families in particular, we need to promote and practice those three realities, faith, fidelity, and forgiveness. First, faith. A family that's united in a common commitment to God is a family that's united in a common belief system, especially a common belief system concerning what's right and what's wrong. And that can go a long way in achieving family harmony and unity. For example, if everyone in your family believes that lying is wrong, and that stealing is wrong, and that cheating is wrong, 
and that disobeying legitimate authority is wrong. That'll make a big difference on what, in what goes on in your home. Everyone will be on the same page, so to speak, in terms of their personal morality, because everyone will have the same divine authority in their life. And that makes a difference. And then there's fidelity. Fidelity is very simply faithfulness. Another F word, so to speak. <laughs> faithfulness especially toward one another in difficult times. How many marriages today break up? How many families break up when things begin to get tough? A lot do. In some families nowadays, there's little or no effort to work at relationships. I've heard of parents, supposedly Catholic parents, who've threatened to disown their daughters, their pregnant, unwed teenage daughters, unless their daughters get abortions. What kind of support is that? What kind of faithfulness is that? Support, fidelity to another person, means encouraging that person to do the right thing and then helping that person to follow through on their intention. doesn't mean condoning sin of any kind, but it does involve giving emotional guidance, spiritual guidance, support to the sinner. In this case, a young pregnant woman. Which brings us to the final necessary component for the restoration of family life, forgiveness. No marriage survives without forgiveness. No family survives without forgiveness. No interpersonal relationship whatsoever survives without forgiveness. In some way, shape, or form, unforgiveness is at the root of every family breakup, which is, the why, which is why the two most common sentences that are uttered in the home of a healthy family are the sentences, I am sorry and I forgive you. Can't say those often enough. So there you have it, faith, fidelity, forgiveness, the three components of a strong family life. Now since this is the case, it shouldn't surprise us in the least that the Holy Family exhibited each of these qualities in their interpersonal relationships. Number one, they definitely shared the same belief system and morality, they shared the same faith. Without question, they showed fidelity to one another, especially in the tough times. Think of the faithfulness of Mary, for example, in following her son, even to the cross. She was there at the foot of the cross on Good Friday. She was faithful to him in good times and in bad. Think of the faithfulness of Joseph in guiding and in protecting Mary and Jesus in the flight to Egypt that we heard about in the Gospel. Think about the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph to Jesus in the Gospel story of the finding of our Lord in the Temple. They were not going to stop looking for Jesus until he was safely back with them. They were faithful to him. And finally, forgiveness. Since neither Jesus nor Mary ever committed a sin, there was nothing to forgive there. But the very fact that they never committed any sin means they never committed the sin of unforgiveness. Which means that they always forgave Joseph. Immediately. Let me close my homily now with a prayer to the Holy Family that I found online. It's a beautiful prayer, I think. And it ties in so well with what I've said in this homily. Pray this prayer today in the name of all the families represented here at this particular Mass. 
Jesus, Son of God and Son of Mary, we ask you to bless our family. Graciously inspire in us the unity, peace, and mutual love that you found in your own family in the little town of Nazareth. Mary, Mother of Jesus, and our Mother, nourish our family with your faith and your love. Keep us close to your Son, Jesus, in all our sorrows and joys. Joseph, foster father to Jesus, guardian and spouse of Mary, keep our family safe from harm. Help us in all times of discouragement or anxiety. Holy Family of Nazareth, make our family one with you. Help us to be instruments of peace. Grant that love, strengthened by grace, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. May we always have God at the center of our hearts and homes till we are all one family, happy and at peace, in our true home with you. Amen.